My name is Brad. I'm part of the gospel community that meets and is on mission in Newtown, and it's great to have you all here. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our series in 1 Peter this morning, uh, so I'd encourage you to get your Bibles out. If you don't own a Bible, if you're not a Christian and you want to investigate who Jesus is, we'd love to put a Bible in your hands and give one to you as a gift today, and you can pick one up for free from the Connect table afterwards. So get your Bibles out. So we've been going through 1 Peter, and over the last few weeks we've seen how Peter has shown us our new identity as God's people, that we are God's holy children, that we have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness, brought us into the light. And last week was really significant. So Matt looked at the turning point in 1 Peter, as Peter moves from our identity to application, as he starts to talk about how we should live out that new identity in the world. So I wanted to ask you, if you were writing this letter to a group of Christians who are doing it tough and you've encouraged them from the gospel and now you're you're turning to talk to them about how they should live out their lives in the world, what would be the very first thing that you'd want to tell them? What would you see as central to how they should live in the world? Well, we're going to see that today. The passage we're looking at today is the very, very, very first thing that Peter wants to tell these Christians about how they should live in the world. So let's read it together. Uh, It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. 1 Peter 2, 13. The slides will be on the screen as well. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honour everyone, love the brotherhood. Fear God, honour the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So what's the first thing that Peter wants to tell these Christians about how they should live out their lives in the world? Submit. Submit to the governing authorities. Now, we don't like this, do we? 
We really don't like this. This cuts against the grain of our culture. In Australia, we love the little guy who fights against the authorities. We love it in the castle when Daryl Kerrigan fights back against the government who's trying to buy his house and expand the, amp- the airport. We love Ned Kelly, the bush ranger, who's fighting back against the police as a modern-day Robin Hood. We love movies like Ocean's Eleven and Catch Me If You Can, where the main hero is a criminal who's trying to outwit the, the wealthy and the powerful. Now, why do we love stories like this? I think culturally we have a deep disregard for authority. Maybe it's our convict past. Maybe it's our radical individualism. But we just don't like anyone telling us what to do. We don't like anyone telling us how we should live our lives. We despise institutions and our gut instinct is that we shouldn't trust anyone in power because they might exploit us. So from an early age, we resist authority. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. And this cultural disregard for authority, it's, it's shaped us as well. And it presents us with a big challenge and a big obstacle to overcome as we come to God's word today. Because this passage, it's really very simple. Submit. Submit to the human authority that's over you. The really difficult thing is not understanding this in our heads, but letting this penetrate our hearts and flow out into our lives. Because the thing is that we are rebels at heart. And we desperately need God's help to hear this word and to put it into practice. So I'd love you to pray with me that God would change our hearts, that he'd change our attitude towards authority through his word today. So let's, let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would transform us today. We confess our rebellion and our rebellious hearts. We have failed to honour those in authority over us and we've failed to submit to authority in so many ways. We ask that you would change this within us, that we would live such countercultural lives, that we would live such good lives in our world that people would see our good deeds and glorify our Lord Jesus. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're good? Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so we're going to think about why we should submit and then how we should submit. So four reasons in this passage why Peter gives us to submit. We submit for the Lord's sake. We submit because of our identity. We submit because it brings us favour with God. And we submit because of Jesus' example. So we'll go through each of those four. We submit for the Lord's sake. So verse 13 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or to governors. What does this mean, to submit for the Lord's sake? Well, the Bible teaches that God is the one who institutes authority in the world. He is the one who institutes human governments. He's the one behind the rise and the fall of kings and empires. There is no human authority in this world except those that have been instituted by him. And so as we submit to human authority, what we're actually doing is we're pointing, we're pointing to God's institution of that authority and we're pointing to God's authority over all things. As we submit to the government, 
We're actually honouring Jesus. This is what John Piper says. We obey our government in worship to Jesus. To submit and serve is far more radical than to rebel. Let me read that again. We obey our government in worship to Jesus. To submit and serve is far more radical than to rebel. Now, this verse connects directly with what we were looking at last week in verse 12, where Peter is calling the Christians to live such good lives that people see their good deeds and what do they do? They glorify God. So he makes this same connection in verse 15, connecting submission with good deeds. So in verse 15 he says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, by submitting, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So the result of our submission should be that people who speak against us are silenced and end up worshipping God. So this is why it's for the Lord's sake. Not only do we honour Him as we submit, but also those who speak against us should also end up worshipping Jesus. And so what this means is that the way that you live your life really matters. Your life is on display and your life is crucial for your mission. As we submit, what we're actually doing is we're showing a watching world that God is the ultimate authority above any human authority and that what we're doing is that we're living for Him. We're living for His honour and we're living for His glory above all things. We submit because of our identity. So from the start of this letter, Peter has been emphasising that we are exiles in the world. But to go alongside this exilic identity, this passage implies that at the very same time we are citizens. We belong to two kingdoms. We are citizens of God's kingdom and at the very same time we are citizens of our earthly nation. So for most of us here, we are truly citizens of Australia. We live here, we work here, we pay our taxes here. And so we're subject to the government and to the laws of our country. So as exiles, we don't withdraw from the world, but we actually live as good citizens within it, seeking our society's good, seeking our society's flourishing and well-being. So we are citizens and so we submit. But in verses 16 and 17... Uh, Peter also says that we are free slaves. So have a look. Verse 16, he says, Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So we are free and we are servants. We are slaves. Now, when we th usually think of freedom, we think of freedom from authority. We think of freedom from following the rules, freedom from having other people tell us what to do. But the Bible says that really none of us are really free. We are all bound to something. The Bible says that we are slaves to whatever masters us and that we are all enslaved to sin. It's only the gospel that can bring us true freedom. See, Jesus, He breaks the chains that bind our hearts. He sets us free, not to break the rules, but to live the way that God designed us to live. Not submitting ourselves to our sinful desires that lead to brokenness and pain, but submitting ourselves to God. So we don't submit as Christians because we're forced to, because we're coerced to, but we submit because we are free to. Christians understand that true freedom is actually found in submission to the right things. 
Martin Luther, the guy that started the Reformation in the 16th century, he, he got this. He understood this when he wrote about Christian freedom. Luther said, A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. We're free. Jesus has set us free from sin. We are free. And yet, at the very same time, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. So, both of these things are true of us. We are free and we are slaves. We are subject to none, and yet we are subject to all. So we submit not because we're forced to, not because we're enslaved to the government, but because we are free to, and in our submission, we find true freedom. Now, verse 17, Peter goes on to order this submission, and he orders it horizontally and vertically. So on the horizontal level, he says, honour everyone, love the brotherhood. So what he's saying is that we, we're bound to everyone, to all of humanity. We are responsible to honour and respect every single person because they're made in the image of God. Every person has inherent dignity, value and is worthy of our respect. And yet we are particularly bound to the Christian community. The church is our primary place of belonging. Our citizenship is primarily in God's kingdom and secondarily to the nation. And then on the vertical level, he says, fear God, honour the emperor. So our primary allegiance is to God, not to our nation. He is the one we are to fear and worship. He is the only true God. And yet our allegiance to God is seen as we submit to the human authorities that he has put over us. The emperor, the emperor is worthy of our honour because God has instituted his authority. Now, when we're talking about submission to government, I think one of the first questions we want to ask is, well, when don't I have to submit to the government? When can I resist authority? And that's a really important question, but today I, I want to push back. I want to push back against that question that's rising up in your hearts because I think we are so quick to try and find exceptions to submission. We're, trying to, we're so quick to try and limit our obedience. And I think what Peter is after here, he wants our default response. He wants our reflex response to human authority to be submission, not resistance. So before we think about when we should resist, I just want us to feel the weight of that. I just want us to sit with Peter's call to submit to human authority. Because our natural inclination is to break the rules. Peter wants Christians, he wants us to be the best citizens our city has ever seen. So rather than thinking about resisting authority, let's first think about how we can honour the authority that God has put above us and to submit to our government. But at the same time, the Bible, it really does leave room for civil dis disobedience. So Peter, the guy that wrote this letter, he disobeyed the government they arrested him, they brought him in because he'd been preaching Jesus and they ordered him to stop preaching the gospel. And he said, no, I've got, to, I've got to obey God, not man. And so he went out and continued to preach in the name of Jesus and they arrested him again. So Peter's example shows us that there is a time and a place for civil disobedience, for resisting unjust and ungodly authority. But here... Peter is writing to Christians who are living in a context where perhaps they're living under unjust authority and the thrust of his message to them is submit. So I think 
Submission should be our first priority when we're thinking about how to relate to government and civil disobedience should only be a secondary consideration. Third reason why we submit to government. We submit because it brings favour with God. So have a look at verse 18 and onwards. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, some people have pointed to this verse as evidence that the Bible justifies slavery. Slaves, it could be translated. Submit to your masters. But I think it's really important to recognise that the first century institution of slavery is very different to what we think of with the modern slave trade. The servants that Peter is writing to, they're not bound hand hand and foot and taken away from their home home country, ships like cattle across the seas. First century servants were much more like domestic workers. They lived and worked within the family and they carried out significant responsibilities for their masters. So the Bible is not justifying the modern slave trade. What it's doing is regulating the first century institution of slavery. The clearest modern day equivalent to this master-servant relationship is really the employer-employee relationship in the modern workforce. So Peter, what he's talking about in our context is workers submitting to their bosses. And he's saying, don't just submit to good bosses, but even to unjust bosses. Now we read that and we think, come on. An unjust boss, surely if ever there's, there's grounds for resistance and rebellion, this is it. But Peter says no. Peter says, submit even to an unjust boss. Why? Because it is a gracious thing with God, in the sight of God. And I think this little phrase, it is a gracious thing. The original Greek phrase is simply, this is grace. And I think in the context, given that he goes on to ask, well, what credit is it that Peter's thinking about profit and favour and reward and credit? And so I think a better translation that brings the sense of it across is that it brings favour in the sight of God. So where do we look for favour? Where do we look for approval? Where do we look for our reward? It's not primarily from our employer. Rather, the one whose approval really counts, the honour that we're really after, the bonus that we're really after, it's from God. And what is it that brings favour with God? Peter goes on to tell us, if you do good and suffer for it unjustly. It's not the suffering that is good, doesn't profit profit you if you suffer for doing evil. It's enduring unjust suffering because you're a Christian. That's what brings favour with God. Now, for some of you guys, you're doing it really tough at work. You might have a horrible boss. You don't feel valued or respected or even noticed. Maybe you feel like nothing you do is ever good enough for your manager. These verses offer us tremendous comfort that God sees the suffering we endure in our workplaces. They remind us to have an eternal perspective in the workplace and to keep our eyes fixed not on the bonus that our boss can give us, but on the inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade that God is keeping for us. But just like submitting to government, it does raise big questions about the workplace. Should I submit to an abusive boss? 
He's manipulating me, coercing me. He's asking me to cut corners, to lie, to take a bribe, to break the law. What should I do? And I want to be the first one to stick my hand up and say, well, that's a big question. I don't have all the answers. But I think that these, these questions, are, we need to wrestle with these in our gospel communities as we share our lives together. And, and I, I want to emphasize as well, similar to civil disobedience, that there is room for resisting unjust authority in the scriptures. But I think our cultural default here is that when we've been wronged, when we suffer, we want to vindicate ourselves. And Peter's pushing back against that. He's saying that our first reflex should be to submit to the human authority that we are under. Peter Peter wants us to submit to our bosses, even our bad bosses, out of love, to honour and respect them, even when they wrong us, even when we suffer, and that by doing so, that we're actually showing them the love that God has for them in sending His Son, Jesus, to die for them. And in doing so, we're putting our hope not in the bonus that they can give us, but in the reward that God has for us. So we submit for the Lord's sake. We submit because of our identity. We submit because it brings favour with God. And finally, we submit because of Jesus' example. So verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus is our ultimate example of submission. The original Greek word that Peter uses for example, it's literally a blueprint, a model, a plan. Jesus' example of submission and suffering is our blueprint for the Christian life. And Peter goes on to explain what this submission looks like as Jesus submits himself under unjust authority, taking up his cross, going to his death willingly for us and for our salvation. And in doing so, he draws a lot of language from Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy from the Old Testament where God promises to send a suffering servant to die for the people, to bear their sin. This suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, is our model, our blueprint for the Christian life. Jesus wants us to walk in his footsteps, to follow his example. And where did his footsteps take him? He walked with the cross on his back, on his shoulders, and was crucified. Our very life should be a picture of the gospel as we endure suffering and submit ourselves to authority. Now, right at the start, I said, we don't like this. We don't like this at all. We don't like submission. We've got a deep disregard for authority. And this has been a mark of humanity right from the very start, a refusal to submit to God, our Maker, and to the human authorities that He has set over us for our good. The reason we struggle so much with the concept of God is that He claims absolute authority over our lives. Now, our culture is all about individual freedom and living however you want. And the ultimate injustice is telling someone else how they're meant to live. We don't want God or government or a boss telling us what to do. We think we know better, our way's right, and we've got the right to live however we want. I think that this gets right to the heart of what sin is. Sin at root is a rebellion and a refusal to submit to the authority of God. 
And each one of us has that seed of rebellion within our hearts. So this presents us with a problem. Peter's calling us to submit and we've got the seed of rebellion within our hearts. We have no hope of living out this command to submit because it goes against every fibre of our being. The only way that we can follow this is if something within us changes. And this is where the gospel is such good news for us. Because where we rebel against authority, where we refuse to submit, Jesus perfectly submits for us. Not only does he submit himself to his Father in heaven, perfectly obeying his will, but he even submits himself to unjust authority on earth. Let's look at it from verse 22. Peter writes that Jesus was completely innocent. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And yet, despite his innocence, he was rejected and unjustly punished by the human authorities in Jerusalem. How did he respond? He submitted himself to them. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Through this submission to unjust authority, Jesus is crucified and killed for us and for our salvation. He offered our sins in His body as a sacrifice on the cross that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. Now, through faith in Jesus Christ and His death for us, we can be free from sin. He's dealt with it on the cross and we are healed by His wounds and given a brand new heart a brand new life to live for His glory. So we no longer live like sheep that are going astray, just wandering off in our own way, but we submit to Him as our chief shepherd, as the overseer and guardian of our souls. As Christians, we are called to live with Jesus as our Lord. He's not just a saviour. He is our Lord and master, and we must submit every corner of our life to Him. And as we submit to human authority, what we're actually doing there is learning to submit to God's authority. This is so important to recognise. We we cannot submit unless the gospel changes us. We have this seed of rebellion in our hearts and we need a brand new heart from God that that loves Him, that loves to obey Him, that loves to submit to His authority. It's only once we've understood the gospel that we can actually start to talk about how we should submit. So, how should we submit? What might it look like for us to actively submit to the human authorities over us in Australia? The first thing that I want to say is part of our submission is obeying the law of our country. We're bound to the laws of our country and part of our citizenship is obedience to the law. And the reality is that we're terrible at this. We're good at breaking the law. We're good at bending the rules. Just think about it. When you're walking along and you see a sign that says, don't walk on the grass. Wet paint, don't touch. No entry. There's just something within us that wants to push the boundaries and step over the line and break the rules. I love what the Dalai Lama says. He says, know the rules well so you can break them effectively. I love that. That sums up our attitude to, effect, to, to authority. We think the rules are meant to be broken. We think they don't apply to us. And I was reflecting on my own life this week as I'm uh, jaywalking across King Street because I can't wait, be bothered to wait for the lights, uh, as I'm looking at my phone when I'm driving as a text comes in or shooting off a text message to Catherine at the, at the lights. I was remembering when Netflix 
wasn't in Australia and I changed the DNS settings on my computer so it looked like I was accessing the internet from America so I could, so I could access Netflix. We're terrible at submitting to authority and we look for ways to get out of things. And so I want to ask you, in, in what ways is God convicting you right now of your failure to submit to the laws of our land? In what areas are you bending the law and refusing to submit to authority? Are you illegally downloading music and TV shows and movies? Are you using illegal drugs? Are you speeding? Do you lie about your income on your tax return, accept some cash jobs on the side and don't declare it? Do you go through red lights in the middle of the night when you know no one's around, no one's going to see it? There's plenty of areas where we fail to submit to the, to the authority that God has set over us in this area. But I want us to, to think beyond just the laws of our country and think about our workplaces. What are the expectations of your workplace? What are the rules and regulations and guidelines of where you work? Do you abide by them? Or do you just ignore them, think they're a bit silly and flout them? I was thinking about... So I'm, I'm studying at Moore College at the moment and one of the expectations for us is that we attend chapel three times a week. And what they're trying to do there is going, well, studying the Bible isn't just an academic ex exercise. It's meant to lead us to worship the God that we are learning about. People skip it. Half the college community skips it. They couldn't be stuffed coming along. They disregard this expectation thinking they know better, that it doesn't matter. What about your workplace? In what, what areas are you failing to submit to your employer by ignoring the expectations that they have for you? As we submit to the law, we need to recognise what we're doing there is we're actually submitting to God. And as we submit in a world that loves to rebel, we're living a countercultural life. We're living a life that demands explanation. Now, I'm sure we've all got areas that we need to work on here, but the thing that I want to... The thing that I want to say is that it's possible to follow all the laws perfectly, but to not be submissive in your heart. Christian obedience is not just the external things. It's what's happening in your heart. And what Peter is really concerned about is not just nitpicky, following the rules, doing all the right things. What Peter wants is for us to honour authority in our hearts. Not just being a Pharisee that wants to keep all the rules. Christian submission is not reluctant law-keeping, it's active, willing submission from the heart. And so this leads me to the second thing about what this might look like to submit to authority. And I think that Peter is calling us to actively show honour to those that are in authority over us, to actively show honour. I think this is central to the message of 1 Peter and to this passage. He starts, submit to the emperor, and he finishes... Honour the emperor. So submission is not just passively accepting your lot, just being apathetic about where you're at. Rather, it's honouring those in authority over us. And again, in Australia, we are terrible at this. We're really good at tearing people down. Last week, Matt was talking to us about the tall poppy syndrome, that we just love to cut down anyone that succeeds or that's above us. We're a nation of whingers and grumblers, and we love to complain about our leaders. As Christians... It should not be so amongst us. As Christians, we should be seen more than anyone as those who honour those in authority over us, maybe even particularly those who we disagree with. 
Now, you look around the media, you look around our city, and there is almost universal disrespect for Tony Abbott. You throw Tony Abbott's name out there and people almost laugh like it's a joke. Even if you profoundly disagree with the policy, Christians should honour the person. We should show honour and respect to our Prime Minister. Now, submission does not mean alignment. Submission does not mean unqualified support. But we should respect the man, even if we disagree with the policies. He is a person made in the image of God. He is one that God loves so much that he sent his precious son Jesus to die for. So what might that look like for us to honour our Prime Minister? I think Jesus' example in verses 22 and following, like everything that Peter talks about, it's how he uses his words. It's how he responds to authority with his words and with his mouth. How do we speak about our leaders? Do we slander them, complain about them, or do we show them honour with our words? And I want to throw that out again to you to think about the workplace. How do you speak about your boss or your manager? It's easy for everyone to complain in the lunchroom, to gossip behind their boss's back, but Christians should be known as those who honour those in authority. Now, my wife, Catherine, when she finished school, she took a gap year and she worked in a cafe in Springwood for a year before she started university and she had a horrible boss. She spoke unkindly toward the staff. She was rude and mean. She yelled at the staff. She slandered the customers behind their back. She forced Catherine and other casual staff to work extra hours and didn't pay them for the extra hours that they worked. And Catherine hated and dreaded going to work every single day for the year that she worked in this cafe. But Catherine decided that she was going to honour her boss by not talking behind her back, by not joining in the gossip of the other staff, and she worked her butt off. She was diligent, she did everything she was asked to do, she sought to go above and beyond what her boss expected of her because she knew that her witness in that workplace was so important. And when she left, one of the ladies who worked there, she wrote a letter to Catherine saying that she was just so sad that Catherine was leaving because she was so different, that her faith was so evident in the way that she worked and in the way that she honoured her boss when everyone else was gossiping about it behind her back. So Christians, as Christians, we are called to actively show honour to those in authority. Now, in Australia, we are not under an emperor. We're not under an emperor. We are a representative democracy. The people in power, they're, they're the ones that we have elected. They're the ones that you have elected to represent us. And so as we submit to them, there's a sense in which we are actually submitting to one another in love. And so we, as we seek to be good citizens, we're seeking to love our neighbours by submitting to the government. We're seeking a just society in which everyone can flourish and none are left behind. So part of our submission to government is, is our vote. In Australia, we are bound by law to vote. It's not just a right. It is a law that you must vote and participate in the political process. So let me ask you, are you enrolled to vote? And how do you vote? Do you just turn up and throw in a donkey vote? Do you turn up and vote for the communists or the sex party because you think it's funny? Our vote is important. 
God is calling us to submit to one another in the way that we vote, to actively seek a society that promotes justice, flourishing and blessing for all. Now, to do this well, you actually need to be engaged with the issues, you need to be aware of the things that are being discussed, to contribute to the debate so that we can shape a just society. Now, our nation, we're a nation of hecklers, not a nation of participants. We love to stand on the sidelines and throw stones rather than actually get, get in amongst it. So as Christians, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be on the sidelines heckling. We should be actively participating in the political process so that we can see change in our city, change in our world to bring about a just society. Now, this has been a huge rebuke for me. I turn up on election day and I vote, but I don't, I don't know anything. I, I, I feel lost at sea when I turn up for vote. I, I, I don't keep up with the, with the issues. And this is a huge rebuke for me in an area where I need to change. And maybe it's something that we need to keep each other accountable of in gospel communities, to actually be aware of the issues and to see our submission as being participants in our city and in our country. The final thing I want to say is what does it look like for us to submit when it goes against us? Submitting when it goes against us. I think this is really central to 1 Peter. How we respond to things going against us as Christians is vital for our mission. Do we retaliate and seek revenge? Do we try and vindicate ourselves? Do we grumble and complain? Jesus gives us the ultimate example of how to respond when things go against us. He teaches us and shows us to love our enemies. In the face of evil, in the face of unjust authority, we are called upon to do good. See, submission, Peter's talking about it in an active way. It's a good deed. It is an act of love for others. It's central to living such an extraordinary life that it demands an explanation. Now, the Christians Peter was writing to, they were living in a hostile context. They were receiving insults from others. And I think perhaps Australia is becoming more and more difficult to be a Christian. And in the future, we might see more and more decisions and laws go against us. And how will we respond when things go against us? Well, Peter is calling us to submit, to submit to the insults of others, to submit to any unjust punishment that might come our way. And we do this in love for our city. So that in our love, people might see a reflection of the love that God has for them in sending Jesus to die for them, so that everyone might come to worship Him. Jesus is our ultimate example of submission when it goes against us. Christians will not necessarily be vindicated in this life. We look to the reward that is to come. And just like Jesus, we need to entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly on the last day. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've been personally very convicted of this message and this part of Scripture. Uh, I've been convicted of my own rebellious heart, my failure to submit to authority, and my need for a saviour, my need for Jesus' submission on my behalf. And so as we come now to a time of worship and response, I encourage you to reflect on the seed of rebellion that is in your own hearts. And to look to Jesus as the one who can take that away and give you a new heart that loves to worship him and that loves to submit to the authority that he has placed over us. We have communion stations 
to the left and right of the stage um, with bread and wine and encourage you as the band comes up to lead us in worship to come forward and dip the bread in the, the wine and to reflect on Jesus' submission to unjust authority on our behalf and to ask him to change you so that you can love to submit to God so that you can love to submit to the authority that he has set over us. So let's pray as the band comes up to lead us in worship. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus into this world to to live a godly life, to perfectly obey you and to submit himself to unjust punishment, to unjust authority, even to the point of death. We thank you that he did that for us. We ask that you would change our rebellious hearts that you would give us a new heart that finds our freedom and our joy and our hope in submitting to you. We ask that you would help us to submit to the authorities that you have placed over us uh, so that people might come to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.